Welcome to episode 27 of the Credit Card BS Podcast. My name is Sean. I'm the UC Berkeley graduate that created and taught the university-sponsored course on credit card rewards. Today, I am comically sunburnt, and I'm recording from the Andaz Costa Rica at Peninsula Papagayo. This hotel is absolutely phenomenal. I've used a suite upgrade award to secure me the Andaz suite. This is one of the best hotels I've ever been to with amazing service and awesome food. I'm joined today with my co-host, Sherwin. Hi, everyone. I'm Sherwin. I am a Stanford student who's really into the points, miles, travel hobby. Got into this game about one or two years ago. Since then, I've gone on a lot of cool trips like Sean. And today, I'm happy to join Sean again here to talk about um, credit card rewards and travel miles points and stuff like that. So today's episode is a kind of a special one. We're going to talk about recent changes that American Express has made to their uh, card lineup. So we're going to talk about the revamped Hilton cards. And we're also going to talk about some changes they made to sign up bonus eligibility that might affect our strategy on the order in which to get American Express cards. So stay tuned for all that. Um, but first, let's start with the Hilton card changes. So Sean, what's your general take on this? Yeah, so for those of you that aren't aware, American Express recently revamped the whole Hilton card lineup. So mainly the Surpass and Aspire have been changed. So the annual fees have gone up, the benefits have changed. Notably, they've removed Priority Pass. Uh, specifically here real quick, on the Aspire, the annual fee went from 450 to 550. They've changed the resort credit, they removed the existing 250 credit and changed it to a $400 credit that has to be used semi-annually, so $200 twice a year. Uh, there's also removed the 250 incidental credit for airlines and changed it to a $200 flight credit, $50 per quarter. And they've removed priority pass on this card and added $189 for clear. Uh, Sean, before we actually discuss, do you want to talk about the surpass changes real quick, just to get all the viewers up to date? Yes. So the changes Sean just talked about are the Spire cards, like the highest tier one, which is now $550 a year. So there's also a surpass card, which was formerly $95 a year. It is now $150 per year. Now, this may be good or bad, depending on your perspective. Uh, they have added this new Hilton credit. So you, each year you get $200 in Hilton credit, which you can use at any Hilton uh, not just the resorts like the Aspire Resort Credit, so it's any Hilton, but they've broken this down to $50 per quarter, uh, so every three months. Now, if you know, my personal opinion is that if you know that you travel to Hilton's at least once a quarter, this is a net positive because you're going to come out ahead with this $200 credit as opposed to a $150 annual fee. Uh, but if you think it's annoying for you to have to use this four times a year, it's probably a net negative because you know, overall the annual fee did go up from 95 to 150. It's just now there's supposedly a credit that's even greater than the new annual fee, but it can be hard to use. What's your take, Sean? Yeah, so for the Surpass, I pretty much agree with you. I would say, overall, I would say it's a win for the Surpass, mainly because before there was no tangible credit on the card, so it was a net loss pretty much automatically unless you were, you know, valuing the gold status, the limited priority pass lounge visit visits, uh, or you're spending 15k for the free night certificate. In my opinion, the Aspire card would just be better for all of those anyways. But now with the card, you have an ability to, you know, offset that annual fee entirely potentially using those credits. Even on the low end here, if you could use two of the credits, then you're still, you know, paying. Like, $50 yeah. effective annual fee, which is lower than what you would have been paying on the old Surpass card. 
Now, for the Aspire, I think it really depends. I want to say, I wouldn't say it's a net win on the Aspire card, but I would say it's not a, a big loss. I think it's a small loss, but it could have been so much worse. And there's a couple silver linings in it. So notably for me, now this is, I, I should say, mainly applicable if you have multiple Aspire cards, okay? I feel like it's easier, even before and now, to justify multiple Aspire cards than it is to justify a single Aspire card. What's your opinion on that, Sherwin? Do you agree, like, having one is tougher to justify than having two or three for the Aspire card particularly? You know, I might have a slightly different take. I actually think before it was easier to have multiple Aspire cards because as long as you went on one trip per year, if you could, you know, stack the credits together or, or whatever, you know, use all the free night certificates, one thing or the resort credits, um, you know, what one trip a year would do. But now that they split these credits up into multiple times a year, you know, although the overall value of the credits has gone up, you know, 400 resort plus 200 flight credit is $600 as opposed to the $500 total. Previously, since it's split up by quarter or by by half year for the resort credit, I feel like you might end up spending more money just going on more trips if you weren't going to do so anyway in the past. Um, I will say the flight credit is fairly okay for me to do $50 per quarter, although it is annoying to manage. You know, I can just buy a cheap Southwest flight that's around $50, cancel it for, uh, and save it as like trip credit in the future. And since Southwest doesn't expire, like I treat that as cash value. And now this is official it's because it's any airline, uh, airfare. It's not just incidental credit. So you can definitely do that without issue. The resort credit, I think, is trickier. Although it's now four hundred dollars instead of two fifty, you know, having to go to resorts twice a year—at least my busy schedule right now—is just another thing to add to the checklist. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I think so. The, here's the perk to me of the changes to the Aspire card. Now, so I, I've had multiple Aspire cards before these changes, and I, I believe I will continue to have multiple cards. The thing is. Previously, the resort credit was a card member year-based credit. Now, I have an Aspire card that is re that resets in July and in December. And it made it a little annoying because the overlap window in those credits wasn't perfect, right? I had, like, you know, resets in December. Well, okay, now if I use it between December and July, you know, now I, I don't have that credit to stack with the other one. But if I – then otherwise I have to wait for the other one to reset, and it was just annoying to do. Now, though, because it's a calendar year-based credit, or semi-annual, right, but it's still calendar-based, it's much easier to keep track of and use them. If I go during, you know, the first half of the year, okay, great, I can use every resort credit on every Aspire card in one trip. And I know I just got to make two trips, one trip in the beginning half of the year, one trip in the later half of the year. That's the pro for me is it's just a lot easier to keep track of. And especially if you have a bunch of Aspire cards, you're probably going to make two resort trips for me in Southern California, I like to go to the Waldorf Cabo a lot. Very nice hotel. Great place to use the credits. Great place to use the free night certificates. Uh, for the airline credit, I would take that as a loss. Even though now it's technically you no know, airfare that you can use it for, everyone you know in this game was using the incidental credit for airfare anyways, either on United or Southwest. So now it's just more hoops to jump through, and now I have to use it four times a year. So I, I don't think it will overall be a huge deal because like for Southwest, for example, as you said, you could just, if you have multiple of them, just buy multiple flights, $50 each, refund it for a travel credit. And then now they don't expire on Southwest. So you can combine them and however you want to do that and get airfare that way. I, 
you know, it's going to be trickier though for like those expensive flights you wanted to use it for because, you know, a lot of people were putting it into United Travel Bank before, for example. And that's going to be tougher to do. And it's just more annoying to do. And we lost, you know, $50 of the value of that credit. So that's a net loss in my view. Overall though, I, it could have been so much worse compared to the surveys that were coming out. I feel like I'm very happy with this change compared to what other options Amex were proposing. So this is a net win compared to what it could have been. And so this is still potentially a very easy keeper card if you are able to use the credits effectively and the free night certificates of valuable properties. It's really going to depend on how many of these cards could you get and what properties could you use those free night certificates at. As someone that can use them at the Waldorf Astoria Cabo, very, very easy to justify this card because that's an extremely expensive property. That's one of the best Hilton Redemptions in the world. So it's not tough for me to justify this card. If you're based in Milwaukee and your closest nice Hilton resort is, or, you know, is all the way like down in Cancun or something, that may be tougher to justify, right? So it's really going to depend on what resorts that you would be able to realistically visit. Uh, you know, again, for me in Southern California, there's a multitude of them. But for people that are based in areas with a lower Hilton footprint, it would be tougher. Yeah, I, I just want to add really quickly that you still get the Diamond Santas in an anniversary free night certificate, and that doesn't change, right? And, you know, I personally think now that resort credit is broken up into half years, even if you're only able to use one of the two, like, half-year resort credits, like $200, and you're able to use the flight credit, which is $200, let's say you miss out on one of the six months, that's still $400. The annual fee is five fifty. You're effectively paying one hundred fifty dollars for the free night certificate, which I think is still re very reasonable if you think about it that way. The free night certificate, remember, at Hilton can re be redeemed at any property worldwide, basically that has standard room availability, even the most expensive ones, and that's what makes it stand out from the other free night certificates from the different chains. So I think even if you aren't able to take advantage of 200 of the $400 in resort credits, it may still make sense just because of the huge value proposition of the free night certificate. Yeah, I fully agree. Those free night certificates are absurdly valuable. And that's the main reason, again, like why having multiple Aspires is so nice. One night at Waldorf Astoria Cabo doesn't really do anything because now I either have to pay a boatload of points for subsequent nights or cash, which neither of which I want to do, especially cash. But if I have multiple of these cards, you know, if you have access to three or four certificates, that's a full-on stay. And so that actually works, you know, that works as a good stacking potential. Oh, last so, thing okay, think... before we move on, sorry. Oh, yes. uh, I also think another positive change is the clear credit. Now, instead of the priority pass membership you get, you get $189 in clear. To me, that's way more valuable because I already have priority pass from a multitude of other cards, including the Platinum card or the Venture X. The priority pass from the Hilton Aspire never really added value to me. The clear credit, on the other hand, is super useful because if I have the platinum card, I can get one person in my family on the subscription and then you can add a family member for $70. So having a second card that has clear credit, in this case, Hilton Aspire, allows my family to have more people on clear. So this is a net positive for me. Oh yeah, one final thing I wanna throw in on that clear note is that if you're a student, you can get clear for 50 bucks. So with that $189 clear credit, you can pay for three people's membership. Sean, I students. think they discontinued the student discount. Unfortunately. They discontinued yeah. that? Oh my God. Okay. Well, so. I, I, that was, I, I don't know if my membership's like grandfathered in because they mm. say it's going to, my most recent purchase was on the student one. That's a shame. At the very least, sign up for one of the airline loyalty programs and then get the discount that way. Yeah. Because you can get it down to like 120, but that is a shame. Oh, they also discontinued that. that. So now the discount's like $10. What? 
Oh my. Okay. Okay. Well, now that 189. Yeah. Okay. You're right. It's one person. So I, I think yeah, the credit's more valuable now because of the. Yes. No. That that makes that is a lot more valuable, especially if you don't have you know multiple platinums or the green or yeah. whatever, and you need more clear memberships. Cool. I think that covers the Hilton part well. So let's go on to the other changes that American Express has made. So I'll start with the first one is the sign up language or the terms regarding the sign up bonus. Uh, for the Platinum cards have changed. It used to be that the Platinum card, like the Morgan Stanley Platinum card, the Schwab Platinum, are considered different products. So if you got one sign-up bonus for one of them, it does not preclude you from getting a bonus on another one. So you could get both the Schwab Platinum bonus and the Vanilla Platinum bonus, for example, on the personal side. Unfortunately, this has come to an end, at least for now. Uh, The terms have been updated such that if you have had any one of these platinum flavors, you're precluded from getting a bonus on a different platinum flavor. So you kind of have to pick and choose the one that makes sense for you. Um, Sean, how, how would you characterize this change? Like, is it a huge loss? It's a huge loss, to be honest, for anyone that was, you know, going through the platinum cards because, you know, the sign-up bonus on the platinum card for any of the flavors made it a no-brainer the first year to justify it. For example, I had a vanilla plat and I opened the Schwab plat previously. And you know, I was I didn't even have to think about, oh, what were the credits? Do they work? Whatever. It doesn't matter. The bonus paid for, you know, it's a hundred K bonus on the Schwab plat. That paid for the entire first year. Every other credit was a bonus. And I got the card in December, so I got the double dip on the calendar year credits as well. So huge moneymaker there. Now there's no, you know, reason to get it unless you can justify, you know, stacking the credits across multiple platinums, which some people can. I'm not going to say that's not a thing you can do, but it's not a no-brainer like it was before. It's a big loss. And so if you're someone that was waiting on getting a platinum card, waiting on American Express, or, you know, waiting on these other flavors, you know, maybe to be lower in your 524 status, you didn't want to get too many at once, now you, you got nothing. You, yeah. There's no reason to get any of these flavors anymore unless you can find like a special offer link that doesn't have this language but across you know any of the public links you're not gonna be able to get it and so i think it's a it's a big loss and yeah it really sucks if you were waiting to get one of these cards so sean let's say i haven't had any platinum cards so far and now i want to sign up for one i can basically only pick one um, to get the bonus for so what in your opinion is the the best strategy here yeah my opinion is probably just do the vanilla plat on like a 150k points offer those are fairly easy to find depending on the time you're doing it depending on the way you're searching but there's different methods like different browsers special referral links special offer links and you can get 150k offer that way the only exception to that would be if you know you needed a specific variety of the platinum card for a specific reason so maybe you're eligible for the morgan stanley platinum card and you want that one so you can get the free authorized user that might make sense. I think that's a 125k offer. I could be wrong on that though. Or, you know, maybe you plan to cash out your points via Charles Schwab, which I do not recommend doing. Don't do that. But if you were going to do that, maybe get the Schwab Platinum first. Uh, it, you know, you could, of course, you know, if you're willing to play it fully optimally and you're ignoring 524 status here, you could get the Vanilla Plat 150k first, then get a, you know, Schwab Plat or whatever after, and then. But you, you know, won't get the bonus for the Schwab. You wouldn't get yeah. you wouldn't get the bonus, but you would get the larger bonus, and you'd have you'd have to stack the credits the first yeah. year. So the question is, you know, would that difference in sign up bonus, would that extra you know twenty five fifty k points you're yeah, earning by kinda... picking the vanilla justify the second annual fee? 
Yeah, Sean is referring to the uh, 1.1 cents per point cash out option afforded to you on the Schwab Platinum if you have that card. Uh, the other Platinum cards will only let you redeem for statement credit 0.6 cents per point, even more horrible redemption. So uh, that's kind of the strength of the Schwab Platinum card. The, the, the other strength of the Morgan Stanley card, besides the um, the free authorized use, free first authorized user, is that there's a way to qualify for a $695 engagement bonus, like a, so it subsidizes your annual fee if you meet certain requirements with their checking or brokerage products. I'm not going to go through the details, but depending on your situation, it may or may not be worth it because, you know, A, there's opportunity costs. For, of using their product to store your assets as opposed to something else. And B, uh, the engagement bonus actually paid out to you um, as income rather than a rebate. So it's taxable. So it you cannot realize the full 695 value assuming you're paying income taxes and whatever. So um, something to consider there. But yes, Sean is correct that generally the signup offers, assuming you're doing diligent research for the vanilla platinum are higher is higher than the ones for the the different flavors yeah so unfortunately though this is not the only change that has been made they've done this across multiple card families so another one they've done is delta so the delta cards and i think yeah the everyday cash cards right the cashback cards mm -hmm. they've done it where they've made this tiered structure so for example in the delta cards there's four cards there's the blue the gold, the platinum, and the reserve. You can get a sign-up bonus for a card if you've had cards that are lower in the ranking than the card you're trying to get, but not if you've had any cards higher than the one you're trying to get. So, for example, if the first Delta card you get is the reserve, congrats, you are now excluded from all lower-tier Delta bonuses in that same family. But if you have the blue, you could get the bonus in the gold. Then if you get the gold, you get the bonus in the platinum. If you have the platinum, you get the bonus in the reserve. So... That is annoying, but it does make, I, I, you know, if, if you've seen Ask Sabi's video on it, it does make sense, you know, because if you have the, the reserve, the main reason that someone would normally get like the gold would be just for the sign up bonus. So it seems Amex is trying to restrict people getting extra cards that have absolutely no purpose for them just for the sign up bonus. Um, the, we've seen the same structure on the cashback cards as well and the everyday cards. So, Sharon, what are your thoughts on this? How much val you know, how much does this sting? And you know, what would you think would be a good strategy here? You know, I think it's very annoying in my opinion. I mean, I wasn't that interested in the Delta cards anyway, you know, especially if you've heard the news about their huge devaluation with their loyalty program and just the fact that their miles aren't worth that much to begin with. But putting that aside, you know, I wasn't that interested in Delta or everyday cashback cards anyway, so it's not a huge loss to me. But I am concerned that if they're going this direction, you know, would they extend this logic to the Hilton cards, for example? So now you have to do no annual fee surpass and then Aspire rather than in any order. Or would they extend that to their, you know, I mean, they've already done that for the gold card we'll talk about in a second. But would they do that to the cards that actually matter to me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but assuming you are, you know, trying to play this game for Delta every day, you you know, the, the optimal strategy is now to start from the, the lowest annual fee card and work your way up. Assuming you don't get pop-up uh, pop jail in the meantime. So I think it just makes everything super complicated strategy-wise. Yeah, I agree. I think it it's making American Express, you have to memorize all these rules, all these different game plans. 
And you're right, like, they may roll this out to the Hilton card soon. It could be any day, to be honest. Uh, it, it really, you know, especially if they're doing it to the cashback cards and stuff. I mean, they did this without the... notice, basically. Like, they implemented it and announced it, like, at the same time. So there is no way we can plan for it. If, like, if they, ch like, they even changed the Hilton cards without notice. So what makes us think we'll have time to prepare, you know, if they roll it out to the Hilton cards? Exactly. And as you said... This isn't, there's still one other, you know, set of cards that are doing this too. So if you have the platinum, you can no longer get the gold sign-up bonus anymore, which is a huge bummer because those cards are completely different things in the sense that they're completely don't overlap in the strategy. There's different multipliers, different benefits. Yes, like you can upgrade to the, from the gold to the plat or whatever, but there's no like, oh, I have the plat, therefore the gold doesn't make sense. No, it usually makes sense to have both of them. So a lot of traditional advice is usually to get the platinum for your first American Express card. But now if you have the platinum and we're waiting on the gold, now you've lost out. You can't get the gold sign-up bonus. And weirdly enough, they haven't extended this to the green yet as of recording. I could totally see them doing it to the green, but maybe, you know, no one really has the greens. So maybe they don't care that much. But yeah, if you're trying to get an American Express setup, go for the gold before the plat now because, and especially on those, those buy and sign-up bonuses are massive on both the gold yeah. and the plat. So definitely don't let those go to waste. Yeah, I think the it's difficulty an thing that they're doing. Yeah, I think the difficulty thing now is, you know, as we talked about, you can get the gold bonus and then a platinum bonus in that order, but you can't do platinum and then gold. But the high offers for platinum traditionally have been targeted to new customers, right? So if you get the gold first because you're following this strategy, you by definition will no longer be a new customer to American Express. So are you more likely to get a pop-up? If you get the uh, if you try to get the platinum card afterward um, on a higher offer, whether through referral or through a special link, I don't know. I feel like they really only want to give one good offer per person. Now that's kind of my feeling. Yeah, and who knows how far they keep extending this to? It could be tougher and tougher to get the good American Express offers. I mean, to be honest, they could if they wanted to, they could just entirely restrict the good offers. You know, put everyone in pop up jail if it wasn't targeted for you. So who knows what they're going to do? Plan your strategy accordingly. Uh, just as like a final note here, what do you, why do you think they're doing this? What do you think their overall you know, plan is for this? Why are they making it so much more annoying for people to have to plan out which Amex card they get first? Because you know, for people like us, people that are in the game, you know, they're, they're trying to save money on the sign-up bonuses. I understand that. But for the average person, you know, the person that maybe has one American Express card for five years and then, oh, I want to get the gold too, and they're like, what do you mean I can't get the sign-up bonus? Like, that, that would really, you know, imagine, imagine those customers. They must be really annoyed because they don't know the rules behind this. I mean, I'd actually frame it a little differently. In my opinion, th these rules affect people like us more than the average consumer, right? Because if you're only signing up for one, maybe two cards, like, let's say you just get the one Delta card you want, and then, oh, you like the Platinum card, but you're not really optimizing for everything. You know, that's not really going to affect you. It's the people who want to get every bonus like us that it affects. I think ultimately, I think this is just a, a rebound from, you know, the years after the pandemic where American Express was giving out, you know, huge sign-up offers on all of these cars. They're targeting people with no lifetime language offers, meaning inviting people to get the bonus for a card they've already had, um, even though that technically circumvents the typical uh, lifetime rules. 
for American Express. So they were giving these huge bonuses and, and huge rewards and huge offers uh, for the last couple of years. And now I think they're trying to shrink back and really only uh, lower their marketing budget to target really the people that they think are going to be profitable. Because frankly, the people like us that are just going through every bonus, I think is not the average slash most profitable customer. No, I agree. So that's what I was uh, trying to say earlier as well. Like for people like us, I totally get why they are restricting it. Like, of course, it is affecting us more than the average person for sure. And I, you know, because for us, like we're still going to get the American Express cards. We're still going to be like we're still going to be their customers. You know, whether or not we're profitable depends. But I mean, I'm surprised. I'm, you know, I I could imagine it pissing off their loyal, non-credit card obsessed customers that want to get their second or third Amex card that didn't read up on these rules. And cause you know, I would see that being annoying if I was, you know, just an average customer, but for, yeah, for us, of course, it's affecting us more. And it really is because we're, you know, when you have someone that's getting all these Amex cards, these ridiculous sign up offers across the board, it's costing them a lot of money. And you know, we're using the cards optimally mm -hmm. and everything. So we're not really making them that much money. So they're trying to yeah. you know, tighten the ropes and, and be able to actually make some money off people like us. Yeah, I think the big picture takeaway here is now we just need to be more careful about the order in which we sign up for cars strategy. We're no longer just asking, is this bonus right for me at this time? But also, by getting this bonus, does that lock me out of another bonus I might get in the future? For example, if I haven't had the platinum card or the gold card, I should do the gold first and then the platinum rather the other way around. Or if I want to do all the Delta cards, there's now an order for that. So I think that's just the biggest takeaway for our listener. So is there anything else you want to add, Sean? No, I think that's a, a pretty good summary of it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. Cool. So we'll wrap up. Before we do that, Sean, you want to talk about um, the guests? Yes. So we are looking to bring on guests to the show for like special episodes to do an interview or whatever. So if you are interested, uh, the main criteria that we are looking for is someone with an existing following of some sort. So whether that be social media, whether you work on developing uh, like an award travel tool, whether you have some recognition within the community, that's you know the primary criteria, or if there's just something interesting about you that you think you'd make a good guest. We're also looking for people that have a dedicated webcam or camera, dedicated microphone, and are willing to record locally and send us the file. Just makes the podcast quality much, much higher than recording only on Zoom. And so, yeah, those are the things we're looking for. If you think you fit the criteria, what you can do is head into our Discord server, Discord server at the link in the description, learn about award travel completely for free, send me or Sherwin a direct message. And if we think you'd be a good fit, we'll schedule uh, an episode to have you come on and we can do an interview with you. So yeah, hopefully that'd be interesting to some of you. And Sherwin, do you want to plug our referral links before we close out? Yes. So if any of the cards we talked about in today's podcast interests you, or if you want to get any card for that matter, please check out our referral links in the description below. Applying through them greatly helps support our podcast and lets us continue to provide you with quality content. And finally, if you enjoyed today's episode, please check out our channel. Please subscribe, 